And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how you doing? Good. Um, we were going to record the show on Wednesday afternoon, but we couldn't because there's a storm coming to Columbus, and Landis was going to the grocery store to stock up on all the essentials to make sure that they had enough goodies in their house for whatever is to come weather-wise. So, Bill, mm-hmm. when you went to the store and you were anticipating potentially being trapped in because you don't know how bad it can get. What did you buy? Uh, nothing super exciting. Just go, take me down the list. I want to know what Bill's Storm Essentials are. A beer. Got a case of beer. Got some uh, Labatt Blue Light. Just trying to trying to monitor the calories. And that really put a dent in, in all in all the, the work I would have done otherwise. Um, so, like, yeah, nothing crazy. I bought, like, lunch meat. I got some chicken nugs. Um I did buy. I, I, can, I can deal with chicken nuggets. I can live with that. They sell uh, Chick Fil A sauce at Meyer, so I bought some Chick Fil A sauce for the nugs. Um, Which one? Not, like the actual Chick Fil A sauce. Oh, Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah. yeah. Did not buy any frozen pizza. Which I think is what you were angling toward. Yeah, I mean, you got to get some sort of frozen pizza snack, whether it be bagel bites, hot pockets, um, Totino's pizza rolls. But everybody has to have. 
an emergency red baron in the freezer at all times. We do not have we're we're this is perilous times in the Landis household. We do not have an emergency red baron in the freezer for this winter. Classic store. three cheese red baron emergencies. And like honestly, it's offensive to me that you don't have an emergency red baron when you were stocking up for a potential emergency or weather emergency. So like if by chance Columbus gets buried by snow and it's snowmageddon and you are trapped in your house with Leah on Sunday, you're going to be like, why didn't I buy the Red Baron? And it's like, I personally hope in my heart that there comes a point in time (laughs) that you are longing for it and regretting that you didn't get one only so that you learn your lesson moving forward to always have a Red Baron in your freezer at all times. And if you ever use that Red Baron, then you immediately replace it. So it's always in there. There's never not a Red Baron in my freezer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. After I, every single time I eat a Red Baron pizza, I go to the store to replace it. Like there's no, there's no time where there's a Red Baron where, where the freezer is for lack of a better word, Baron. You know, my problem is, is that I have basically just, I have like a normal refrigerator freezer set up. Like I don't, I don't have those nice refrigerators where like the freezer's on the bottom and it's like a big drawer and there's a lot of room in there. I just have the one up top and space is limited and the Red Baron takes up a lot of space. So what I think I need is but a you separate... you gotta lay it down flat and use it as the baseline. Come on, what no, are you No, I know, here? but there's, okay. other, there's other stuff in there too. Um, I, I, what I think I need is like a separate, like people have, keep like meat freezers mm-hmm. in, their, in their garages and stuff. I don't have a garage either, but I want to get a separate freezer only for Red Baron pizzas. Yeah, well, we have two two freezers, so that helps. Um, even when I lived in Columbus and had the same general setup as you, though, I always had a Baron in there. Yeah, but you were living in the living the bachelor life. It was just you. There was like uh, there was four Red Barons in the freezer and like three Bud Light limes in the fridge, and that's all that was in your house. What you need to do is walk into the other room when your fiance comes home and just say, "Listen, this is how it's going to be in this house." We're going to have a Red Baron in here at all times. <laughs> and if that's a problem for you, then we can discuss our relationship. I think that's fair because that would be a deal breaker. Yeah. And like, what is she going to say? No. Like she's anti Red Baron. She's not anti Red Baron. Yeah. At least I don't think so. <laughs> like, I think you know? my wife is anti Red Baron. And now I'm wondering if I made the wrong decision. Well, I got some bad news for you, bud. You're stuck there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> we got a lot of tweets um, over the week about where the podcast was last week. I'm sorry I was on vacation. Uh, the band did not break up. Um, but everybody was saying we want grab ass. We don't want football. So there was five minutes of grab ass. There you go. Should we talk about the Bucks though? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Now, go ahead and host us into the show. Yeah. So there's been, uh, yeah, it's been, this is a, a two-week little hiatus for us. So there's been a good amount happening. Um I guess off the top, just to put, kind of put a bow on Ohio State's 2022 recruiting class, we're recording this on Thursday morning. Wednesday was the second signing period, which has sort of become like the, I don't know, it's certainly not as important as the December signing period now. Um, some it, coaches, it, it can be, though. I will push back on that. It certainly can be, but you know, sometimes, too, coaches just like blow it off and fly to Minnesota to interview for NFL jobs on that day because the day doesn't matter. I want to talk about that, too. <laughs> I'm happy that you brought both of those things up. But the thing that's awesome about the – again, it kind of just hit me this year because, yes, everybody knows that the traditional signing day no longer exists in its truest form. Everybody signs in December. That's signing day, right? But the players who sign in December, for the most part, are the ones that want to lock up their spots, want to sign their signatures, want to formally accept their scholarships, and are, you know, a lot of times, not always, because plenty of five stars and top on their players sign early 
are more worried about their spots, right? <clears throat> In general, the players who push it all the way back are the ones that have a spot no matter where they go, which means that they're really, really good. And like for the fact that there wasn't as much volume on Wednesday, there were still three top 10 players who announced. There were still plenty of five-star prospects, top 100 players. I thought it was a very eventful day. It's just Ohio State wasn't really involved, so it might seem more boring than normal. That's a fair point. Ohio State had two guys that was looking to sign. Carson Hinsman, offensive lineman from Wisconsin, and Omari Abor, defensive end from Texas. Both those guys signed. I guess there was a little bit of intrigue with Abor, um, who committed early January and then was supposed to take visits, but from everything I could tell, never did, and just kind of like shut it down and then signed with Ohio State kind of you know under the radar, I think without a ceremony and stuff like that on Wednesday. And then the only other guy they were kind of on was Christian Miller, the defensive lineman from Georgia, and he signed with Georgia, which I think everyone expected. So it was uneventful for Ohio State, but not uneventful on the whole year. And I do think you're right that typically the guys that are signing on that second period are, are really good. Uh, but also there's guys in the class who are like my favorite players in the class or the guys who are like under-recruited, don't sign in December, and then blow up in January because classes are trying to fill holes, and, and those guys are kind of the last guy standing. I mean, that's kind of what I, I went to. I went to an announcement on Wednesday um, for three-star running back Andrew Paul, and it's like he ended up at Georgia, and he was te- – like a, in October was considering Sam Houston State, Texas State, and someone else. And it's like, how much is it over or under evaluation or how much is it a scarcity? You know, and that's all, you know, part of it, right? Yeah. And Ohio State didn't have a guy like that in this class. I'm trying to think the last guy that Ohio State has has had that's like fit that bill. Um, Enoch Vimahi was like a name that no one had heard before. And then after Ryan Day took the head coaching job, like got on a plane to Hawaii and spent like an hour there and locked down Enoch Vimahi and came home. Um, that that to me is still the most torturous recruiting trip of all time. Yeah. Hop on a Southwest flight. <laughs> to, Hop on a to, flight to, to Hawaii, and what is that like a ten hour travel time? Because it's I think it's four and a half or five hours from he California. Flew, he was in Texas. I believe he was in Texas. So I think he he flew from like Texas to Arizona to Honolulu, and was I, I think like literally there for like an hour or two, and then hopped on a plane and flew back. And, like, the thing that was the worst about it isn't just the the travel time, Bill. It's when you get to the destination, it's a place that you'd want to stay. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's not like you flew 12 hours to Transylvania and then came back. Like, you flew to the place that everybody bears terrible travel days for in order to enjoy. Yeah. And it's like, if you got one whiff of that fresh Hawaiian air... You go to the high school or the house or wherever he went and lock the kid down and then go right to the airport. That ever he said he never saw the ocean. Well, he flew over it. Well, no, but he never saw it when he landed. <laughs> yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Like there was no yeah. coastline. Right. And uh, the fact that Ryan Day had to do that in his first recruiting class as head coach is why they have a new offensive line coach <laughs> this this year. Uh, finally, we we talked with Ohio State's new assistant coaches earlier this week. Uh, I think we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but wanted to start off with what happened on. Wednesday, so Ohio State didn't like not have an official signing day press conference. Ryan Day spoke earlier in the week. Just wasn't a whole lot going on to kind of hold a, a separate signing day press conference. Um, but Wednesday was, I think, what I consider one of my favorite days of the year in terms of like media availabilities. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. I know, I know you don't do it anymore, but we got to talk with the 11 early enrolled freshmen. 
and the two new transfers that, that Ohio State brought in during the offseason. So it was like all these guys that we followed during recruiting, and you get to talk to some of them, maybe not all of them. I, haven't, I have not talked to all of them before um, this week, but that is, that is, I think, probably one of my top five favorite days on this beat is when we get to talk to however many of the early enrolled freshmen do show up in, in January. Certainly, 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 especially considering the fact that a lot of times – Ohio State recruits high-profile players that don't talk much during their recruitments. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they wait till the end or they don't talk and then they, they sign and then they disappear. And then the first time you're talking to them, I mean, not with us. I mean, we, we really cover the hell out of recruiting. And for the most part, we've spoken to most of them. Um, but, like, I remember when Tate Martell came in, how big of a deal that was. You know what I mean? And how, like, who were, like, I'm trying to remember who the most... Uh, anticipated interviews were uh, at Ohio State once they arrived. And I think Jack Miller was one of them, Kyle McCord, you know. Yeah, even yeah, when, when Jack. No, Jack Miller, C.J. Stroud, that whole thing. Together, they were sitting in yeah. the same room, and yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. Um, but yes, it's certainly one of the best days of the year. And, and the thing, too, is that you, you have to battle is that you have half the media that's completely and utterly aware of how recruiting works and what they went through. And then you have to like sit through questions from TV people about how good does it feel to be an Ohio state Buckeye. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. There are, there is a little bit of a drawback of just like, I'm not trying to be mean, but yesterday when I was at the Andrew Paul or Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday, February 3rd, when I was at the Andrew Paul announcement, this kid picks between Georgia, um, Clemson and Michigan puts his hat on, and then, like, I was in a scrum talking to him for the story I'm trying to write, and these television reporters are asking him, so when did Georgia offer? And it's just like, what are we, do you not have even the, the baseline knowledge of what's going on here? <laughs> like, like why, like, why, this? these are things that you could have looked up and asked interesting questions about. So I get super uh, annoyed when I can't just ask all the questions that I want to ask. Right. Um, but it certainly is when they have tables. And, of course, people rotate and they break off and, and you know, you get your time. But who was your favorite of, of the 11 to talk to and why? Devin Brown. Oh, yeah? Does he yeah. have a little swaggy to him? He's got a little swag to him, yeah. He's – he's and and I think we kind of – On three's number one quarterback and number one player overall in the class. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but he's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think, I think think he's good. Um, and he's when, – when he signed, like Ryan Day talked about how, he, how Devin Brown's got like a little bit of a, of a magnetism to him and just kind of like, you know, really like lifts up a room. People are drawn to him and – I think you could pick up on some of that, like through the recruiting process. But then, like when he sits down and there's, uh, he came out and I want to say there was one other person talking, and it was George Fitzpatrick, the only offensive lineman who's who's early enrolled. And Devin Brown sat down, and, like everybody went to Devin Brown's table. Of course, I stayed by myself and asked George Fitzpatrick like two other questions and then left because um, I have to get a one on one with an offensive lineman. But the, it was Devin Brown and fifty media members, and like the kid like was just holding court and I thought it like it doesn't mean anything but I thought the way he carried himself was pretty inf- pretty impressive for a kid who's should, should still be um in high school and then he's really smart too he's sharp he had he had good answers on like football stuff I thought um but there's just you something asking about him like how to run spider two y banana well I asked him I think I might have mentioned this before Alanda's question <laughs> well, yeah yeah and so what do you sh- do when the backside sh- corner is showing blitz and, and the, sh- there's a stunt in the middle <laughs> I'm sure people roll their eyes uh, when I do it um, but I asked him about like his high school offense with Joe Germain because it was like based off like the same stuff that Joe Germain was doing when he was did in anybody the NFL. write a story about that by the way I did it's such a Q- an interesting story to me I did a Q and a with Joe Germain about it 
Oh, I must have missed that. Was I on vacation or something? I don't know. It was uh, it was in December. Um, yeah, I think. Maybe. Okay, well then I guess we did write a story about it. Yeah, my and bad, I think, Bill. I don't mean to offend you. It's all right. Some other people uh, did as well. It's like not. It's interesting. It's not super interesting. And then Devin Brown left that high school and played in Utah um, his senior year, so he didn't play for Joe Germain every year. But like he played in two very different offenses at those two different schools. And like I asked him some stuff about that, and um, just a sharp kid. Like I, I think people are going to probably get carried away with it a little bit because it's easy to. Um, cause you're just so excited to talk to somebody who's like, who seems like engaged and wants to talk to you. That happens a lot with media members. So like, I'm sure people will like take that and run with it and make maybe outsized projections about Devin Brown, even though he's been on campus for two weeks, but, um, he was certainly you mean, when a, when a player is warm and, and funny and sharp that if the media feels like you like them then they'll like you, like, is that kind of like what it is? Correct. Yeah. It's like dating. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's not like dating. There are just, there are some men who will automatically like any woman who is interested in them. And there are some men that have a certain standard that they won't negotiate. And <laughs> I think we know what the majority of the media, which one those, which one they are. The only, the only criteria for being in a relationship is that the other person likes you. Like that's, that's the, benefit. they have a pulse and they like you. That seems like step one. Yeah. 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 Everything else I think you can figure out. And um, it doesn't no, matter he was... what, what other qualities this person has. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy talking with him. Um, by the I way, you talk- just did it. So, no, I know. It's again, it's hard. It's difficult not to. It's like Devin Brown shows up because the other thing with Devin Brown is like I actually I don't know how many people on the beat like actually watch the recruits. I think you know, and it's fine. You don't have to, but like in my mind, it was like the combination of what I saw from watching him play on vi- <laughs> on video with his personality. It was like okay, like there's something there's something with this kid, um, but I'm also like. He's got to beat out Kyle McCord. And Kyle, I, I thought the same thing about Kyle McCord, <clears throat> excuse me, last year talking with him. So I don't think like Devin Brown being like a cool dude um, doesn't mean he's going to be the starter. God, I miss Quinn Ewers right now. I wonder what the vibe would have been with Quinn Ewers. Imagine? Well, you talk like when you, when you talk with Quinn Ewers at the opening, was it like, was he holding court? Like, because he no, seemed a little. He, he seemed a little standoffish. If I'm going to be honest with you, right? Which is but fine. Like, it's also shifts too, because there's certain points in your recruitment where you don't want to talk to the media, 100%. and then the second you want to, then you can change. Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Paul, the perfect example. Like, I went to his high school and wrote a profile about him a month ago or three weeks ago, two three word answers, and then yesterday he was like a quote machine. So just like I think that people can can change just based on the circumstances of whether or not they like it. I only talked to Quinn Ewers one time and, you know, I'm not saying he was a bad quote, but it didn't seem like he was overly enthusiastic about talking. And it's probably because he just got done working out for five hours at the opening. And then you had a bunch of, you know, cargo shorts wearing men walk up to you with (laughs) microphones in your face. And it's like, I get it. Like, you know, and you know, he was gracious and, you know, said the things that we needed him to say. And, you know, I, I do wonder, I will say this, being in Texas, and I don't want to make this a Quinn Ewers thing, but it, he is a big deal here. Oh, huge deal, yeah. Like, like he, like I, for instance, just got an accountant for the first time in my life, and I was on the phone with his accountant on, on Wednesday, and he's a Texas fan because we're in Dallas, right? And he goes, so uh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a national college football writer, and I didn't even tell him that I used to cover Ohio State, and he goes, what do you think of Quinn Ewers? And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, but that's kind of like, I think it's very interesting to see how his career plans out, pans out. But, you know, I think Ohio State's in a very similar situation as they were a year ago, um, where they have three guys on the roster and, and even a better situation, I think you can make a case, because now C.J. Stroud has already, um, you know, legitimized himself as one of the Heisman favorites going into next year and, and as the starter of this football team. So, you know, with three top 100 players on your on your roster, and a bona fide starter returning, I think that's a pretty good place to be, especially considering the fact that the freshman who's on the team knew what he signed up for, and they'd be insane to transfer. You know what I mean? Like, so you're right. at least going to get one more year. And C.J. Stroud, I think that there's a, you know how we always play that game of just like what, um, what's the quarterback situation going to look like in, in two years from now and how we're always wrong? Mm-hmm. I think I can see a very straight line path to a Devin Brown Kyle McCord battle for that spot, which I think is probably a really exciting thing for Ohio State. If CJ, because I think CJ Stroud will leave after next year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I think it'd be kind of it'd be crazy to say like, well, CJ Stroud is going to be the quarterback this year, and he's going to leave, and then like Kyle McCord is going to be the quarterback in twenty twenty three, and he's going to leave. Like he'd be eligible to, but I don't know if that would be realistic. But I, I suppose- think the realistic thing would be that whoever loses the battle between Devin Brown and McCord will stay or go. I would anticipate that they'll both be around in 23, and then maybe after that there's some movement. Um, De- like, Devin, Bra- Devin Brown said, like, I-, I don't know. He said, like, I'm not going to transfer. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Maybe he's just super confident that he's going to be the next starting quarterback at Ohio State. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock into those words or hold it against him, you know, down the road. Um, he's just a kid talking in a press conference. But um, I think he is – I do, I do think he is in on the idea of hanging around here for a couple of years and developing, and then maybe you know, he comes up for air, and if he doesn't think he's going to be the starter here, because we don't know who they're going to bring in in 2023 to. They could bring in, like, Jaden Davis, and then that changes the calculus as well. But I, I do think he's on board with the idea of developing here for a couple of years, even if he's not on the field at the soonest possible um, moment. Um, he actually he rose a little bit in the recruiting rankings too. You said you know on three has him number one, which I think is a little crazy. But even in two four seven, composite, number one overall nationally, right? Yeah, he's like I don't. I think I probably like Drew Aller more than him. Like Cade Klubnik is pretty good, um, but I think he's a bona fide he's top number five one player. overall player. Yeah, he's top five Not quarterback, quarterback player, right? I believe that is the case. He's definitely a top five quarterback for like I think I'm. I'm be pretty confident in that and he's a top 50 overall player in a 247 composite so um really good it's not like uh some throw-in that ohio state had to land because quinn ewers left like this kid is if if <clears> this <throat> was if kyle mccord wasn't on the roster it was like you have cj stroud and devin brown's the heir apparent i think everybody would be really excited about that okay so. but here's the thing like devin brown is not a better football player than travis hunter no he's not a better football player than walter nolan or luther burden or damani jackson right uh, is he better? Is he a better football player than C.J. Hicks or Harold Perkins? I think I could maybe come around on the idea that he might be the best player in Ohio State's class. Um, I mean, if that's the case, then Ohio State's in a really, really good spot. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to say. Like, I don't. Once you get yeah. like to the very top, it's like, is he? I don't have no idea if he's better than C.J. Hicks. Like, ask me again <laughs> in two years. I think I he will. could be. Will yeah. somebody write that down in their calendar and have me ask Bill Landis if he's better than C.J. Hicks in two years? Yeah, I definitely. Wouldn't think, that be yeah. funny if somebody in two years on Twitter was like, "Hey, I think it's time to ask Bill if C.J. Hicks is better than Devin Brown." Because we'll get our guy uh, Dan, 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 Dan on the case. Dan, 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 Dan. Dan. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Another guy who we talked to on Wednesday who I came away pretty impressed by was Kai Stokes, um, who's like a low four-star safety, and I think maybe at the time he committed was a three-star prospect. And he's like a he's rated as an athlete, which I think can in, impact the guy's recruiting ranking sometimes. Um, but he's kind of he's one of these players that I think is kind of rare that like didn't do the camp thing, like didn't go around in the summer and like try to get in front of talent evaluators from these recruiting sites and like try to boost his stock. Um, and he said something that I thought was kind of interesting, Ari, and, and I didn't know if maybe you've heard this from other players like covering it from a more national perspective he said so he was a receiver mostly in high school because of armwood high school in florida same high school as brian sneed um and he was a receiver and he switched over to defense and he's only been playing safety for like two years and mm-hmm. he said he said he didn't want to go to the camps because he felt he was like still like a developmental player and he didn't want to go to a camp and like not perform at his best and then get like negatively impacted by that so he chose rather to just like kind of like fly under the radar and be recruited more off of his high school film than off of whatever he might have done on the camp circuit and i don't know that i've ever heard a prospect kind i've of never heard a prospect say that but I thought it was interesting. I do too. I think that, that there might be a story there of just like the negative impact that camps can have if you're changing your position. Or, but here's the thing about camps, Bill, and why I probably don't agree with that. These camps are athleticism tests. Mm-hmm. You know, they make them run the forty. They make them jump high. They do all the cone drills. Like all those camps are basically just made to put people through physical activity to see which ones are the most dynamic natural talents. You know, and I'm not saying that if you go out and you play safety and other five-star safeties are out there looking better than you, that that wouldn't have a negative impact. But, like, listen, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here, but Legend Cavazos turned into a top 100 player because he was super athletic. You know, like, there was nothing refined about his game as a defensive back at the high school level. You know what I mean? He wasn't a top 100 player. Didn't he, like, ascend into, like, the... Where was he? I think I think when he was very young, he was rated very highly because of that, and then... Dropped a little Did bit. Did he drop? Okay. Yeah. He ended but up still, as... like, I mean, he got an Ohio State offer for being an unrefined, and I think, like, he became a, a recruitable prospect at these camps. Mm-hmm. You that's, know, he, that's he, right. Yeah, I think that's true. So, you know, I I think that the more visibility that you have, if you can run and jump and, and tackle, you know, is good. But I also think, too, that, like, if you're a really good football player, you don't need to go to the camps to get found because they'll find you. So it's kind of a two two-pronged outlook yeah and like i think like when kai stokes committed it was like and it happens a lot and i try not to like i I don't want to say about every like under the radar player that ohio state gets a commitment from or or signs but there was like a real kind of buzz that that ohio state had had unearthed something when they got kai stokes and he's a low four-star prospect who had like alabama and i don't know like maybe that's committable not committable i don't know he had auburn um florida you know, LSU, Miami, like this was a kid that was still recruited pretty heavily, even though he was, you know, a borderline three-star prospect. So um, I, I, and he also like a a little bit of his positional outlook kind of changed with the coaching staff change. He said that when um, Matt Barnes and Kerry Combs were here, they were, they were thinking of him more as like a corner or maybe like a cover safety, but like playing in the slot and, and starting out a corner before maybe going to safety. And now he says he feels like he has the vibe from this new staff that he's going to get his first shot at free safety. So, um, and he said like people are comparing him to Josh Proctor, which is like 
cool, I guess. He's been here for three weeks, so I don't know. <laughs> Is there <laughs> a transitive property in college football where if you are compared to the person that's compared to Malik Hooker that you're, like, really good? That's right, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he will. Josh Proctor, Josh Proctor has not been Malik Hooker. Maybe he will be if he's healthy next year. Or maybe it like skips a generation. I don't think he's going to be Malik Hooker ever. Maybe it skips a generation. Yeah. Yeah. It Malik, Hooker, Malik Hooker was really good. I get why we do it because it's an easy shorthand, but it's just like. It's, we do it with like Zach Harrison and like the Bosas and Chase Young. It's like, they're not the same, man. That's but, okay. Like, can I ask you a same. question? Like, and like, it isn't, I'm not even saying that Josh Proctor is not good. So, like, don't take it that way. But if you like went and looked at that, the, the single greatest play you've ever seen on the Ohio State beat, what would you say? I have two. Um, the touchdown or the interception that Malik Hooker had against Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl in 2016 mm-hmm. um, is is one of them. Uh, the second one, I don't know. I wasn't covering the team when Braxton scored his one yard touchdown against Penn State, but I watched it. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> that was that. Those were the, my two most impressive plays. And it's like, can't you just turn on the film and like watch Josh Proctor play in high school and go, yeah, dude, he's just physically not capable of doing what that what that man just did, and then just like completely shut the book on those comparisons right out of the gate. Like, or is that not fair to the developing prospect? I think it would be more fair to do that. <clears throat> and if you're, but wrong, I wonder too if you go back and you look at Malik Hooker's high school tape, which I haven't done in seven years if you could sense that type of athleticism from him on his tape. So, like, I don't know. It's it's just it's just really hard to do it. And whenever we – and at Ohio State, there are so many good players that come and go and go into the league early. And, you know, every year there's first-round draft picks. But it's just like stop comparing people to Orlando Pace. Stop comparing <laughs> yes. people to Malik Hooker. Um if Kai Stokes is really good, then he'll be a really good version of Kai Stokes. And that's, I mean, like, listen, dude, another one of the kids that you that you spoke with on uh, Wednesday is Caleb Burton. And I went to Austin and wrote a story about how he's taking the Garrett Wilson path. So, like, I like, I am with it, too. But, like, I didn't oh, compare yeah. him to, directly to, to Garrett Wilson. I just meant, like, he's from Austin is taking the same path as he is. Just... Nobody's going to be Orlando Pace. If somebody's better than Orlando Pace, we'll visit it when that happens. We'll, 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 we'll have oh, a nice trust, discussion. Trust me. We'll, we will be visiting that when it happens. <laughs> if, it, if it happens. Landis will have his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. 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 That'll be, uh, that'll be my favorite thing I've ever done. I might retire after that happens. Yeah. Because I won't get it's any It's that better. Elmo, that Elmo gif, right? Where he, where he just like has his arms up and there's a bunch of lights coming out from behind him. <laughs> oh, right. 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 <laughs> uh, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
why. But yeah, so uh, Caleb Burton. Uh, I did not spend. It's hard because like I'm a I'm one guy there, and there's like seven people talking at one time. And I already so. wrote the best possible story there is to write about him. No, actually, that actually entered my thought process. <laughs> it was like like no, no, it did. It was like it's like I already wrote about this kid like, and his story has changed because he got hurt. Um, yeah, but. I did spend a little bit of time over at, at his table just to like try to get a feel for where he was coming off the knee injury to like cost him most of his junior year. Um, and he said like he played last year, like not quite feeling like himself, but he did say he feels back to being um, basically the player he was before that injury. Cause remember like he's, he really fell off in these, in these rankings. Like when he committed, he was a borderline five star prospect, right? No, he was a five star. He was a five star. And yeah. now he's, now he's outside the top hundred and, um, which I guess is fair. It's like he didn't play what he's supposed to do. Um, but then, like, Devin Brown was talking about Caleb Burton and how explosive he's looked when they've just been, kind of been out, like, throwing the ball around with, with Devin and Caleb and Keon Grays and the defensive backs who were early in roll, too. Just all the young guys kind of out there just, just kind of getting some work in. And he said, like, like Caleb really jumps out at you. Uh, with and, and honestly, with some of the stuff that I think people would say about Garrett Wilson, which is, like, explosiveness, body control, catch radius, like, all that stuff, which I think is, like, I think it's fine to compare skill sets like that. Like whether or not they match the production is another thing. Yeah. Um, but I do think, I do think that Caleb he was Burton, coming off an injury when I talked to him. Yeah, he has he has a tremendous opportunity to like really outperform what his final recruiting ranking ended up being. Well, you know what's an interesting so story, Bill, is that how recruiting rankings really how accurate are they when you start reorganizing them for senior years? Because mm-hmm. they're so heavy with early discovered players, right? And like I was having this discussion with a high school coach yesterday. It's like if you're not discovered early, then how do you get up into the rankings if you're a late riser, right? Or if you get into the rankings early and you get injured, how like it's just like I feel like what 247 composite tells you in the last 6 months, 6 months or maybe even to whittle it down a little bit more to like the last 2 months of a recruiting cycle is kind of interesting. Yeah, there was a time when Caleb Burton was a top ten player in this class. Yeah, um, and now he's number one thirty one. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this entire class, and 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 certainly not in the entire receiver field. But from what I know of Caleb Burton, I find it hard to believe that there are twenty receivers in this class that are better than him. But that's where he's at. He's twenty. He's the twenty first receiver. Yeah, and his dad's a football coach. So, like, I mean, that also kind of helps in the, you know, in that realm. So, yeah, he's certainly somebody that I believe is is, is worth tracking. And, um, you know, in a world where Ohio State has five five-star prospects on his roster at any given time at the receiver position, it's kind of easy to lose track of some. But just like we might be watching the spring game in April or whatever it's going to be, and Caleb Burton's going to perform like Marvin Harrison Jr. It's like, oh, boy, here we go again, you know? So, yeah, well- I actually wanted to ask you that because because I find him interesting and I also find uh, I find Keon Gray's very interesting too because he's a guy who I who was whose ranking has really improved over the course of his of his time being committed to Ohio State and, and Brian Hartline was kind of in on him early when when Keon was committed to Arizona but I'm wondering with both these guys like obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba is back and he's going to get the majority of the work and I, I realize I'm asking this in a world where 
two former number one receivers are waiting in the wings and Marvin Harrison Jr. is waiting in the wings. But does it feel like to you at all that there's an opening for guys like Caleb Burton and Keon Grace to get on the field as true freshmen because there's just not much else coming back in terms of production besides Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like a four or five person system, right? Sure. Yeah. So like, I think that you, I think that, I don't know where I am on the receiver stuff. And I want to know what your take is, actually. But sometimes I feel like, and I, and I don't subscribe to the you have too many good players problem. <laughs> but sometimes I think it's better to have three dudes that you can count on and like not overthink it. You know what I mean? Three dudes that play the majority of the snaps. You know, your number one receiver is clearly outlined. You know who, who you're going to be relying on the most and you just run with those guys. It's like sometimes I feel like the confusion of who should be on the field right now is a problem. So like to me... Like, if Jackson Smith and Jigba is just, like, the number one receiver without question next year, I think that could be a good thing. I think so, too. And I and I don't I don't anticipate him coming off the field. It's what happens at those other two spots or if they decide to play more with four receivers, which they might because they're a little light at tight end. Um, but I don't think, like, whatever happens with the, those other guys, I think has no impact whatsoever on Jackson. Jackson, he's, like, the focal point of the offense, in my opinion. Um but then there's two out two I, I would assume outside spots for Julian Fleming, Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison, Keon Grace, Caleb Burton, Kojo Antwi, and uh Caleb Brown will be here in the summer. Like I don't know if I'd be shocked by any of those other names I just listed off. I mean, do you think it's already clear that Marvin Harrison's one of them? Right now, yeah, but No, if, like it's already he's already got the spot. I think yeah, probably. But I don't know. Like we all we all kind of got to that place from watching him in the spring game, right? And I think and what what based off what some people have said about him. But I also think that the same things could be said about Caleb Burton in six weeks when spring ball starts and then the, No, the but Marvin Harrison like caught multiple touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, he did. no, I'm not uh, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. I think I I think you're right. I think he will be a major part of the offense next year. But if one of these younger receivers it's incoming like really makes a jump I think there's an opening there because I don't I don't think I don't think anyone outside of Jackson like has a stranglehold on the position you don't think that Harrison does he's probably the closest but I don't know how you could say that because like based off one game I think he's really good I think he's awesome I think they're all I think awesome. I think, I think I've seen enough to know that he's really really good yeah I, I agree I'm not I don't disagree with with that I think he's very good um, I guess maybe I would be surprised like if he if he like fell down the pecking order. I guess like Caleb Burton jumped over him on the depth chart, and then all of a sudden Marvin Harrison yeah. was playing seven snaps a game. I think that would be very surprising. Yeah, I think that's probably right. That's probably right. That's probably more of a measured thing to say. Yeah, which is still, crazy because I'm usually not that. It's not my role on this podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, but I do I do find myself because the, there's two of these guys that are here right now is is Caleb Burton and Keon Grease, and I think getting here early does matter in, in a lot of cases. Um, and I do feel like there's a, there's like a door cracked just a little bit for some, from one of those two guys, maybe to emerge as like the, even if they're not number one or number two, like the number four receiver, which is a guy who I think in next year's offense could play quite a bit. Um, I don't know. Just something I was thinking yesterday is like those two guys were talking. I mean, if uh, Caleb Burton is healthy, I mean, I think he has the physical traits and the um, natural ability to do that. Yeah, and I think Keon Grays does too. I think I think Keon Grays is like a really polished route runner right now. Just like has a has a knack for knowing how to get open. 
Um, I worry about his size a little. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, and I wonder... I don't think he's a slot receiver. I think you can move him around, but if it, if they kind of view him more as a slot receiver, then then obviously he's going to be blocked by, by Jackson Smith. And I just resent the fact that he didn't go to my alma mater. Arizona still had a good class, though, right? The highest class in program history, 24. Look at that. Who, what's their We're fishing. Name? We're fishing. Jed Fish. Jed, Jed Fish, yeah. <laughs> Jed, Jed Fish, who everybody panned when he got hot, when they hired him for that job. Uh, goes to show that if you know you just put in a little bit of effort, you can actually get some stuff done. Something that Kevin someone apparently did not uh, understand when he was coaching at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, one more he got I, paid, though. He did get paid. It's always important to get paid. <laughs> Uh, there were. I want your take on this, and we'll move on the coaches. There were eleven early. There are eleven early enrolled freshmen: uh, C.J. Hicks, Devin Brown, Keon Grays, Gabe Powers, Caden Curry, Caleb Burton, Jair Brown, George Fitzpatrick, Ryan Turner, Kai Stokes, Bennett Christian. Of those eleven, like which guy are you the most intrigued by? Like spring now, spring ball, just like it's without were, question C.J. Hicks. Hicks, yeah, I think because of the position he plays too. Yeah, like I'm like waiting for Ryan Chase here to show up and save the Ohio State football program. <laughs> no pressure, yeah, no, no pressure on CJ Hicks. Uh, in comparison, he's just like Ryan Chase here. Yes, yes, yes. In his prime in the NFL, not at Ohio State. Peak Ryan Chase here. That is what we already expect CJ Hicks to be as a true. I just want somebody to play like that. I'm not saying they have to be as good. I just want a linebacker to play like that and blow shit up. Like, is that is that too much to ask? No. If I were if I were the linebackers coach at Ohio State, I would just like play clips of Andy Katzenmoyer and <laughs> and <laughs> CJ Hicks, and I'm just be like, you see the ball, you run, and then you like. I feel like Ohio State's linebackers don't tackle through the ball carrier; they just kind of arrive and then like lay down next to the person. Yeah, the ball. Hope they trip over them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I just like go, you know, in that scene in old school when uh, they get super competitive and. Uh, Will Ferrell's just like, rip his head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you want to see a badass at linebacker. Right? It's yeah, been a while. Yeah. It's been Who's a while. the last badass Ohio State's had at linebacker? Darren Lee definitely had some badass moments. Yeah, okay. Well, if that's where we're starting, then that that's the problem. So, okay. Yeah, that, was, that was seven let's years get ago. Some, let's get a fucker in there with a, <laughs> with a, with a neck roll. Okay, come on. Like, let's. <laughs> oh, the, uh, I don't know about that. Neck Why? Roll, yeah. Because the, the neck roll guys are usually like slow dudes. Dude, the neck roll guides are like Paul Puzlesny, right? Isn't he a neck Paul, roll guy? Yeah, if Paul Puzlesny was playing college football now, he'd be like a guard. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you eat lunch with him one time? I used to. Uh, I used to. <laughs> I lived. I lived in the dorm rooms that were closest to the on-campus apartments where the football players lived, and we shared a dining hall. So I used to, uh, if when I could get in line behind the football players because the football players always got more food and sometimes better food. So I would like get in line behind the football players because I'm a big dude and they would just assume I was a football player. So I got, I got to eat what, what Paul Paul's lesson was eating, which was uh 45 uh, hard boiled eggs. Okay. I want to, <laughs> I want to play a game. Are you ready? I'm going to name linebackers that, that I can remember that wore neck rolls. And you're going to tell me what position they'd be playing if they played at Ohio state this year. Okay. Okay. Brian Bosworth. Uh, defensive tackle. <laughs> Leighton Vander Esch. Tight end. Um, Howie Long. 
Howie Long. Uh, hmm. Guard. Center, center, center. So you don't think Brian Bosworth would be a linebacker? No, the Boz is that a guy freak. would eat your face. The Boz is an animal, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't even know if we're talking about, um, did Mike Allstott wear a neck roll? Uh, yeah, I think so. He did, but it was under his pads, so it didn't look yeah. quite, quite as good. Um, he, was, he was a fullback, though. Jalen Smith wore a neck roll. I think Jonathan Jaylen. Vilma wore a neck roll, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think so. What about, I, or, what position would Jonathan Vilma play? Uh, probably still a linebacker, maybe a rush end. The neck roll is just a personality trait. It's not a. It's not an. It's not an accessory that's safe that makes you play safer. It's just if you wear a neck roll, it's an. It's a statement that you're going to kill somebody. Yeah, you're about that life. If you're wearing a neck. Roll. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know. Okay. So yeah. that that was my only point. And I can get on board with. It. All right. CJ. I don't Nick's know why they went on a stuff. Yes. <laughs> Could you imagine like the most athletic, slim, fast freak of nature just wearing a neck roll? His 40 time goes down by half a half a second the second he puts that thing on. <laughs> yeah. I I find CJ Hicks is also uh my guy and I don't I did not spend I didn't go to his table at all on Wednesday because I went to his high school like a month and a half ago and talked with him. Um and I figured he didn't need another person asking him about Al Washington not being there anymore. So I I didn't do that but um I think he's got the mental makeup to handle it if he if his skills are up to par for him to get on the field ahead of the guys who are coming back a linebacker and, and I and I think they might be. Why don't you answer it? Hicks would be my answer as well. Um number two, I think I'm I honestly it's and I think I've said it before, Bennett Christian, it's not the sexiest answer. I get that, but like Talking with him again on Wednesday, like I, I feel more convinced that he's going to play a lot as a true freshman, mostly out of necessity, um, but also because I think he is as ready as any tight end they've brought into the program over the last five, six years to to do what they need to tight end to do as a true freshman. He's two hundred forty two pounds, was a almost exclusively used as a blocking tight end in high school and like a in a heavy eye formation, run the ball every play kind of offense. And that's what they need this this tight end position to do at Ohio State. And I think he's ready for it. So um I think I think in the end he might play the most of any true freshman. At least what, on the off, on the offensive side. What high school did he go to? Oh, I have to look that up now. Somewhere in Georgia. Yeah. I just want you to look it up. Is it Alatuna? Yeah. yeah, and Altoona. I just misread it because I always call it Altoona, which is funny to me because uh, you and I had a had a wonderful night in Altoona, Pennsylvania, one time. We did. Yeah, this is Al- Altoona High School is in the same area um, like where Justin Fields is from because they I think uh, Justin Fields High School like played Altoona in the state title game like two or three. I just assume that like everything in Georgia is just a suburb of Atlanta somewhere. Mostly, I think that's fair. This is, is that, this it's is, like Atlanta is like eighty percent of the state, and then the Atlanta and the surrounding areas, and then you have small towns. It's like it's the beach, Atlanta, and then the border with Alabama. <laughs> that's that's all the Georgia is. Um, Atlanta's like the only major southern city, right? Um, I guess Houston, if you count Houston, New, New Orleans, Orleans. yeah. yeah. I had uh, a nice dinner one time at a Zaxby's in Jackson, Mississippi. 
by yourself? No, I was with Leah. We were driving from uh, Dallas to Georgia. By the way, speaking of Jackson, J.P. Andrade, the former walk-on quarterback at Ohio State, transferred Jackson State. to Jackson State, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> He's going to back up Shador Sanders at Jackson State. Good for him. That's great, yeah. Love it. And Gunner, uh, not Gunner, Jagger, different different quarterback name, Jagger Larroe. names. Jagger Larroe uh, has transferred to Texas A&M Commerce which is stepping up into FCS this year. And I think, Oh, I thought that was just the section of Texas A&M's football building. (laughs) That's that's what they call the recruiting department. Now Texas A&M Commerce. (laughs) You took my joke from me, man. (laughs) Can I say something that's unrelated to football? I think Zaxby sucks. Do you like it better than Kane's? No. Interesting. I like it better than Kane's. Now, here's the thing. I've only had Zaxby's one time, and I'm willing to admit that it's possible I just got a shitty order. But I also got wings with my order, too, and they were terrible. And I thought the I thought the chicken tenders were just average. Crinkle-cut fries were the bottom-of-the-barrel type of fry, and the toast wasn't as good as, as Kane's. And I'm not, I, I can't tell you... I go to chi- maybe Raisin Cane's once every seven months. I'm not a huge chicken tender only person, but like I was not impressed, and I don't understand the I don't understand the crazy nature toward it. Because you I love do, it, don't you? I do love it. I try not to eat it as much because it's terrible for you. But but there um, isn't one in Columbus anyway, so. The closest one to Columbus is in Indianapolis, I think, and there's also a couple in Kentucky. Um, I've not had it in, in quite a, quite a while. Um, but I like, I think Kane's fries are better. I think Kane's toast is better. Like you said, I, I like Zaxby's chicken tenders better cause I, cause they're seasoned, um, a little bit, which I like, but Kane's are bigger, which probably matters to some people. And the texture is a little different. The sauce is more or less the same. And Zaxby's has a, has a more expansive menu. Like you can get a salad there if you want. The fact okay, that you like, well, I'm not going to rate my chicken finger place because they have good salads on their menu. Well, I like the idea of like being able to still eat the chicken fingers you want to eat, but like eat it on a bed of lettuce so you feel a little better about, but feel a little bit better about yourself. It's just tricking the mind. Yeah. Um, but like the fact that I can't go to Cane's and get like four Cane's tenders with some sauce on them on top of a bed of lettuce, like this doesn't make any sense to me. How hard is that? Yeah, but like I, the thing I don't understand about lettuce, Bill, is. There's no nutritional value. There might be some vitamins in it, but like it's zero calories. It's just water. I like. So if you're going like to eat your chicken fingers on lettuce, like you're not doing your body any. Fi- you're just eating water. So like, just eat the chicken fingers like a slob and move on with your day. Like, what? well, you're filling. You're filling yourself. <clears throat> you're filling yourself with something that doesn't. So you've add you've to your you've inside. filled your stomach up with lettuce, and it's caused you to eat less chicken before. No, but. If I eat a chicken tender salad, I might be full enough where I don't feel like I need to eat my body weight in French fries. Yeah. I've just never eaten a bunch of chicken tenders and thought, well, I had a healthy lunch or I'm not going to have fries. Like to me, like I'm like torpedoing the day. Yeah. Once you, when, I mean, honestly, once you're once down that, once I'm eating four chicken tenders dipped in that Thousand Island dressing of a sauce that they serve, I'm, I have no, no, uh, I mean, I've done some pretty messed up stuff with my mental when it comes to how to con yourself into eating. 
I've never tricked myself into pretending like, oh, there's lettuce on this thing, so it's healthy now. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. that. that is yeah. a whole other type of galaxy brain. I'm not saying that I hate you for it. I, I, like, I like the effort. You know, anything that you can you can do to make yourself feel better. But like, I mean, I guess they have a bunch of salads. They have, um, they have, um, wings, but the wings weren't very good. So that to me was, yeah, they're not great. And like, they have things like the, like, I think they, I don't remember eating any of this, but I'm looking at the menu right now, like fried mushrooms, onion rings, white cheddar bites, like things like that. I can totally get behind board, but like, we're just like ranking it based on the quality of the, of the thing that they serve and they're known for. And it's just like, that's just a chicken tender to me. Yeah, that's fair. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know uh that place that in Manchester, New Hampshire that Ryan Day grew up working at is really good. The Puritan Backroom. Weird name for a restaurant, but that's what it's called. Uh yeah, good, pretty good. But that's like that's a one-off. But there's also a restaurant. place in Texas um that like is formed at Texas A&M that's a chicken finger place that I was introduced to when I moved here and I can't remember what it's called. Is it a money, um, money laundering front for recruiting? It's a money laundering front. It's a slush fund. Lanes is what it's called. L a y n e s. Have you heard of this place? I have not. It's. I'm going to send you the link. It's in Texas and it's really good. I think it's better than Canes and it's better than Zaxby's. Lanes. Here, Lanes I sent chicken. you the link. You can check it out on your own time. I will. Lanes. Or you can check it out right now. Fingers. No, let's uh, let's let's get back to talk about the Bucks because we got to talk about the. Why? Because we talked we talk to Jim Knowles, man. Who's Jim Knowles? I'm talking, we're talking about chicken fingers. <laughs> He's Ohio State's new new defensive coordinator <clears throat> who grew up in North Philly from Olney. We had a nice conversation. That's within the Philadelphia limit, right? <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're not. Is, we're not. Jim, Jim we're, Knowles grew up in a place where you don't want to find yourself alone now. <laughs> but but <laughs> that wasn't the case when he grew up there, right? No, no. It's... Uh, it's close to an area of the city called the Badlands, which is where uh, my father, who is now a retired police officer, used to work. Um, Jim Nolstab is also a Philly cop, so we have that in common too. We're gonna go get cheesesteaks. I can feel it. I think I really, I think I planted the seed there. You should take them to that. You should take them to that. That is that Philadelphia cheesesteak place still open in Columbus? Yes, I told him that about has it. like really, really weird hours, and like I tried to eat four or five times during my time in Columbus, and it was always closed. Yes, it's still open. Um, it's only open from like one to one thirty. <laughs> yeah, it's open from one to one fifteen on Wednesdays. That's it. Uh, it does have weird hours, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like just a window. Um, and they do breakfast now too. I think on weekends, it's just kind of oh. weird. 
Interesting. Um, but I told Jim Knowles about it because he is he is a vegan for everything that I've read. But he also said he said he's not so stringent in that that he won't have a cheesesteak every now and then. Okay, I was gonna say, is there such thing as a Philly vegan? I haven't been there in a while, but it doesn't strike me as the most vegan city. A Philly vegan uh, only eats vegetables except for pizza and cheesesteaks. It's a Philly vegan. It's a Philly vegan. Yeah. Um, he did not have like a tremendous amount to say about like personnel and who's going to play where, and neither did Perry Liano or, or Tim Walton, and I wasn't expecting that because we talked to them on Monday, and Monday was really like their first time getting together and meeting as a staff and actually talking about personnel. Um, but I did think like if you were – if you were hopeful to get the vibe from Jim Knowles that like he understands the urgency at hand and has a clear vision for what he wants his defense to look like, um, I think I think you came away feeling pretty good about that. I wondered I wondered if like, and I suppose it means nothing, but I wondered if coming from Oklahoma State to Ohio State would be any kind of shock to him, and then like he's sitting there in front of sixty guys in cargo shorts, as you said earlier, having to like explain what he wants to do as a defensive coordinator. And maybe like not coming across the best way of doing that, and that didn't happen at all. Like he was, he was on the ball. Like he, he was borderline like eager to explain like how he goes about his business, which I like kind of appreciated. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I was in on the hire beforehand, and I came away feeling better about it after talking to him. I read your story, and I saw the quote of just like we don't have four years, right? And I thought that that was. Obvious, but also good to hear. But the thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about when it came to that, and for context, if you haven't read Bill's story, you should, but he said at Oklahoma State it took him three or four years to get to the point that they were this year where they were very good, right? Mm-hmm. And that Ohio State, he doesn't have the luxury of time of having to adjust to it. But the thing that I that dawned on me, or that the first thing that I thought of when I read that, Bill, was that why would it take four years? Their players are really good. Right. Like doesn't it doesn't it's like the timeline of expectation is different, but so is the starting point. I know. I, I think you're right, and I and I think he knows that too. It's p- part of the reason why it took four years at Oklahoma State is because Oklahoma State is recruiting a lot of three star prospects that need that time to develop into really good players, and a lot of those guys did. Um, I think the idea here is that those guys become really good players much faster and some of them even show up as really good players. So I, yeah, I think that does help expedite the timeline a little bit, but it's not like, I I think some patience is required for like Jim Knowles system to like really take root here. But I also think like he understands that the offense is going to be awesome. And the defense, I don't even think the defense needs to be awesome. It just needs to be better, like adequate. Um, and if that can be the case, then then Ohio State's got something special next year. But he's not like he didn't sit down in his chair on Monday and say like, right, "Give me some time, guys. Like I got, I got, I need, I need a couple of years to get this thing right." He's like, "No, I know. Like I, I get it. I know what the deal is here. I'm getting paid a lot of money, and I know what the deal is here. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to try to get this thing fixed like right away." <laughs> Which was like again obvious and like the thing you should say, but people don't always say the things they should say <laughs> in press conferences and intro press conferences. So I was like, "Okay, all right, I get it. I'm on board." I mean, it's, it's called the Philly no-bullshit attitude. That's right. That's right. He doesn't have a Philly accent, though. Although, I guess... Uh, it, it, sometimes I, guess, I wonder if like you like if you go look at all the stops that he's made throughout his coaching career. I don't know what accent could survive. 
<laughs> yeah, he was at Cor- he was at Cornell and then like Western Michigan. I, th- I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Duke, Duke, Oklahoma, Duke, Oklahoma State, and now Ohio. I don't even think Brian Kelly's Southern accent could make it. Family, yeah. <laughs> I'm down here with my family, <laughs> dude. Also, the video of him dancing with that tight end was more cringe than anything he did with that accent. Yeah. Did he do like the? I don't think anybody said it, but like, was that like the Saturday Night Fever like? Disco. Why, like, why is why is he standing? Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's going to Bama. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I don't even. Th- I'd like to think of that as like Nick Saban. Well, like maybe Alabama needs a tight end, but Nick Saban mostly did that just to fuck with Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even want him. Yeah. But yeah, just make make Brian Kelly look like a fool. <laughs> I have take- a hard time like deciphering how I feel about LSU's class because on one hand they got Harold Perkins out of yeah. Texas but he's yeah. also a Katrina transplant oh, they lost, I didn't I didn't know that yeah yeah but they also lost three of top players in Louisiana in one day which is like unheard of for LSU so I'm very curious to see like I will say this and then I want to talk about Harbaugh the 2023 cycle is going to be the most interesting recruiting cycle of all time Mm-hmm. Because there are so many first-year head coaches, um, at prominent positions that have a lot to prove that I think are really good. Like Mario Cristobal at Miami, interesting. Billy Napier at Florida, interesting. Lincoln Riley, USC, interesting. Brent Venables, Oklahoma, interesting. Steve Sarkeesian, Texas, interesting. Who am I forgetting? Brian Kelly, LSU, interesting. And like every single region in the country is kind of like. And I'm sure you'll probably work on a story about this and, like, how does that impact Ohio State? Because every region that they've traditionally recruited now has, like, really interesting first-year coaches. But, like, if there's ever going to be parity in the top 100 of the recruiting rankings, or top 100 players and the recruiting rankings, like, this is the year, right? Yes. Florida gets a little of theirs. Miami gets a little of theirs. LSU gets theirs. USC. Texas A&M now, who's signed the best class of all time. Ohio State gets theirs. Bama. Georgia, like, like, the least interesting thing teams right now in recruiting and I had a recruiting podcast in the Andy Staples feed with Mitch Light the other night we didn't even talk about Georgia Clemson Ohio State and Alabama like it's like that's like not even the thing right now so it's very interesting and now Michigan has their coach back which is a nice segue into that discussion yeah uh, I guess like before we do that and we will do that in in just a minute um just to give like first impressions on the other new hires quickly like I'm I'm very interested to see how coaching the secondary breaks down between Perry Liano and Tim Walton and like there wasn't a whole lot of clarity on that. I think some of it'll be joint, they'll be separate, Perry's with the safeties, Tim's with the corners. I tried to ask Ryan Day why Perry Liano, who had the best corners in the country last year, is coaching safeties and like he didn't answer the question. So I apologize for not having more clarity on that. But in terms of like meshing together, I think it's an interesting blend of personalities there. Like Tim Walton like gave off like Larry Johnson like fatherly vibes. And Perry Perry Liano gave off like Kerry Combs, I'm a you know, walking, you know, cup of coffee kind of vibes. Like he's just like he's a big time energy guy. Um and I think the two of them together could work out really well, especially in recruiting. And then I just want to read this quote from Justin Fry. Uh where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh. I'm the son of a high school coach, so I enjoy recruiting. I like going out to schools and talking to coaches, talking to administrators, going to basketball games, getting my popcorn and peanut M&Ms and watching a little bit. Uh, He also talked a lot about relationships. He's mentioned recruiting without being prompted like seven different times. 
He also mentioned popcorn once without he it. He also mentioned popcorn good. once. Yeah. yeah. So like I think he is a good offensive line developer. I'm I'm like intrigued by that and how he might help in the run game. But uh stark difference, I think, in approach to recruiting from the offensive line coach with the with the Justin Fry hire, which I should be refreshing to uh Ohio State fans. Dude, you are in your bag right now about the <laughs> offensive line recruiting pitfalls. That's like three mentions unprompted on the show. I went because I went back through some of the numbers on that like earlier in the week, and like it was bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was okay. like we either got a five star or you know some kid who should be playing at Ball State. So <laughs> needs to, needs to be better. So the average is still better than the rest of the Big Ten. Yeah, because <laughs> the five star the, <laughs> the five stars the five stars help. Um, there's got to be. This was the this was the conclusion I came to. There are a lot of there have been a lot of offensive linemen over the last four or five years, like who aren't five stars, but like top hundred, borderline top hundred, like top top two hundred caliber players that Ohio State just like didn't get that it should have gotten. I think if they would have gotten like two or three of those guys over the last few cycles, we'd be singing a much different tune about Ohio State's offensive line recruiting. But there's been too much boom or bust with it, and I think there'll be less of that with Justin Fry. Um, okay, Harbaugh. Apparently, flew to Minnesota thinking he was going to get a job offer, and then like didn't get it. <laughs> now he's awkwardly coming back to Michigan. So my understanding of this whole thing, unless there's been more reporting on Thursday morning when I missed while I was sleeping in for the first time in six months, was that he decided on his own merit to come back to Michigan. Is that not what happened? Uh, that I do not think that is what happened. I th- I think. He flew up there thinking he was going to get wined and dined, and instead it was like an actual job interview, <laughs> and it ended with him not getting the job offer. So he, I think, maybe like got it out there that he was like not going to do it 30 seconds before Minnesota was like, we have our guy, and it's not Jim Marble. So I think he was trying to save face a little bit there and also probably tried to curry a little bit of favor with people in Ann Arbor as he awkwardly came back to them. Nobody does. Uh, nobody does awkward better than Jim Harbaugh, right? That is correct. No From one an does. Ohio State perspective, though, Ohio State fans probably happy about this. Well, that's one thing that I found interesting in terms of the reaction. It was like people are like, "Yeah, Harbaugh's back. We're going to kick his ass." It's like Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh have coached against each other as head coaches twice. One time Ryan Day kicked his ass. The other time Jim Harbaugh kicked Ryan Day's ass. So it's like, I don't know. What are you certain about? <laughs> what makes you so sure that like Ryan Day might win the next ten? Probably a safer bet than Jim Harbaugh winning like two of three the next out of the six next or whatever. 10? But like the assumption that Michigan or Jim Harbaugh is coming back to Michigan to just routinely get his ass kicked by Ohio State again is like a little premature, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think the if I were Jim Harbaugh, I would have left Michigan if given the chance. And it sounds like he might not have been given the chance. To yeah. get away from, to go out on top, to leave as a hero. And I think there's nobody on earth that probably understands more than Jim Harbaugh that what they did last year is not a sustainable thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, I, I wonder if some of that reaction is, yeah, Jim Harbaugh staying, we're going to continue to kick his ass. Like, that's that's great. I think that's probably more, the more root of that is, thank God I didn't play somebody Madden in 10 times, and then the second they beat me, they stopped playing. Oh, yeah, like, I, it's kind of like a thank God he didn't take his controller and go home type of a thing. I get that. I get I get wanting to like get back at him for for last year for sure. I totally understand that sentiment. 
Um, whether that's inside the Woody, which I'm sure it is, or, or outside for fans. Like, I, I definitely get that. Um, I just felt like I was picking up on a little bit too much of like, haha, we get to be the bully again. And it's like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> you're probably right, <laughs> but I don't think you're definitely right. So I don't know. I think I think it's. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of like what direction you think that Michigan's like. Personally speaking, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it two scenarios, and we're going a little long. So hope you guys are bearing with us. But we didn't have a show last week, so we just missed each other. The scenario where Harbaugh returns and they continue to build off of what they did last year. That's scenario one. Mm-hmm. Scenario two: Harbaugh goes to the Minnesota Vikings, and then Michigan goes out and hires Matt Rule or somebody like that who has won at the highest level at college um, is a dynamic personality in, in a way that isn't awkward and has a, has a distinct understanding of what it would probably take to win at Michigan. Like what is a better scenario for you if you're a Michigan fan? Cause I think that Harbaugh returning even after the greatest year of his career in college is not the best thing for Michigan. Like I think it was ready for, I think Michigan was ready for a change. It's it's like a weird thing to say given the season they just have, but yeah. I, I think I think I kind of agree with you because the other part of it too is Adam Schefter said like Jim Harbaugh told Michigan that like this is it he's not flirting with the NFL anymore and like I don't believe that <laughs> so I I think this is going to happen every offseason. he very clearly wants to go back to the NFL and, and I, maybe he came to the realization when he was up in Minnesota that it wasn't going to happen and like he's not the youngest guy in the world so maybe that's true. I don't, I don't really believe it. So if you're in the position as, as Michigan, where every off season your head coach is like trying desperately to leave to go back to the NFL, like that's not a great place to be in. Um, and I also wonder a little bit if like what Jim Harbaugh can do at Michigan has been maximized a little bit, and now like could it have been a good time to hand that off to somebody else to take it to the next level, whatever that next level might be. So I think I think I can get on board with that idea. Um, I don't. I don't know if that means that this is bad for Michigan that Jim Harbaugh is coming back because, like, Lord knows the guy understands Michigan. Well, the the third option too, Bill, is Harbaugh leaves. You do a coaching search and it's a disaster, which it certainly could have been if they had so, Matt Campbell. You know, but the one thing I want to say about Jim Harbaugh, and this is an Ohio State podcast, and over the years there have been, you know, jabs at Michigan and their recruiting strategy, and we poke fun at, at you know, because you know that's what we do here. I want to say I don't think Jim Harbaugh's a likable person from a outward personality standpoint, but there's a lot that I respect about that man. Like they messed with his money and he came back. And not only did he come back after they messed with his money, but he achieved something that most people probably couldn't achieve. So like if I were him, I'd be like, fuck this. I'm going to take a job where I'm going to get paid the right way. You mess with my money. Here's, here's what we accomplished and what you thought we couldn't accomplish. And now go try to find somebody else who can do it again. And I think that's like how a normal person would have reacted to that. Right? Like if the athletic was like, you know what, Bill, we really like your stories, but you know, you're not getting as much traction on them as we hope you would. We're going to cut your salary in half and let you come back for a year. And then the following year, you like set record numbers in your stories, you know, traction, and they're like, okay, here's your money back. And then, like, some other place wanted to hire you for as much money or more. Wouldn't you just, like, be like, bye? Uh, like, it's just normal. Like, and I understand that Harbaugh's rich already and that he's not going to be hurting for a bowl of soup if he wants one. But, like, I think we look at coaches as robots because that's kind of what they are, you know, on camera. But they're also money with, or they're also humans with financial goals and, 
You know, money is important to everybody, whether you have 20 bucks in your bank account or whether you have 20 million, everybody always wants more. So like that to me, like how Michigan, instead of firing him, cutting his salary was just like, it just doesn't sit. It wouldn't have sit well with me if I were him. And like, he came back and did exactly what people thought he couldn't do. And I like respect the hell out of him for that. Well, he came back because he had no other option. He tried to go to the NFL. <laughs> there was no job for him there. I don't think he would have gone to another college where it was like, you're right. Like, he took a pay cut and, like, took it, I guess, publicly. About Half of as a well salary. As he, yeah, but. I, and then once he had he had a chance, all the things that were. Had he had a chance to leave, he would have left. <laughs> if yeah. somebody came to him with a better offer after, after Michigan tried to cut his money, he would have taken it. He just didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But then after he got all those um, incentives paid out, he like donated them to people at the university. Like I thought that yeah. was cool as hell. No, that was very cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I, like I, I just I like the way, like Jim Harbaugh has always been an odd person, and he doesn't have an agent from what I understand, or he does his own negotiating and all mm-hmm. that shit. Like just like doesn't emphasize money. Like he doesn't talk about contract extensions in the middle of the season, like all that stuff. Like I admire about him. Yeah, and I and I, I think he's a good football coach. Um, good X's and O's coach. Right? Yeah, he had the. I think he had to recalibrate his recruiting a little bit, which he seems to have done, um, and was willing to like really like blow up his staff. And I think did a good job with that last year. He seems to great on people, which is why I, I believe that this is the longest tenure he's had anywhere that he's been. Um, and I and I would call into question his ability to build a consistent winner because of that, because I just think like over time the relationship becomes so fraught that like it's best for people to just move on. And he's so unpredictable. Um, but he's a good X's nose coach, um, and I think I'm not. I don't know if I'm. I'm not gearing up for like Michigan won the Big Ten and made the playoff last year, and like this is a step in the direction where that becomes more of a consistent thing. But I think Michigan could be a little better than it was like in his first five years. Yeah, just like right now, off the cuff, what do you think? Like, how many games has Michigan beat Ohio State in in the next ten years? Hmm. Two or three, maybe. I think if Michigan gets to a place where it wins three out of ten, they are if they've arrived. If they if if Jim Harbaugh becomes uh, John Cooper, no. If he goes three and seven every ten years against the machine that Ohio State has become, that is a very successful situation for Michigan, in my opinion. Yeah, that's almost half. I want, and I I, I agree with that. I wonder if Michigan feels the same way. I think they probably do. Because Did you want to ask Michigan before this year, how many times would you like to beat Ohio State next year? Uh, keep things going right now or sell your soul for three? I think they would take the three. Because mm-hmm. it seemed like it was never going to happen again. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's and like right. Especially yeah. considering the juggernaut that Ohio State is. Like Even though Michigan got through and, and punched through and won, the way these two programs are built are so vastly different. Three times out of ten is a lot. Yep. I mean, three times out of – I, I I don't know this off the top of my head. I'm making an assumption here that might be wrong, but three times out of ten sounds like what Auburn does to Alabama. Yeah, and right. they've and like to me, I thought when they got rid of uh, their head coach Gus Malzahn, I was like, that's insane. Go find somebody else who can beat Bama. And they finally found another coach, and then yeah, that he's coach gonna, he's going to get fired. <laughs> yeah, well, they were really they should have won that game three different times and didn't. So you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing as it pertains to you know Auburn's positioning in that rivalry, but. You know, I, I think that it's good that that Jim Harbaugh has stayed because it's kind it's of interesting. Fun. It's more fun. It's more fun. 
like you mentioned on this podcast after he beat Ohio State, he's talking shit. He told Ryan Day that he was born on third base. He's walking like Vince McMahon back into the wrestling ring, and the only reason why I know what that is is because everybody uses that gif. But like, if he becomes the Jim Harbaugh of year one again after they won, that would be awesome. It would be irritating to Ohio State fans, but like, don't we kind of want the ten year? Like, that's, what, that's the point that we've made, ever, or I've been making for the past ten years of like the rivalry is dead. This sucks. It's boring. It's just like Michigan won. It sucks. I know Ohio State fans like resent that. I'm not saying that you should be okay with it, but the good news is, is that like now, part of being a fan is like fixating on kicking the shit out of Michigan next year, which is something you haven't had in a long time. So. Yeah, I'm it, all about that a, life. Yeah, and that the fixation on wanting to get back at Michigan has a different tenor to it when Jim Harbaugh's still there. As, as, yeah, as, for as sure. I think it's like, yeah. can you imagine like a Matt Campbell were just the head coach next year? Like you would still want to beat them. You still hate Michigan, but it's like who hates Matt Campbell? You, yeah. you know who made? It's like it's so much easier to hate Jim Harbaugh than it is to hate like Matt Rule. Yeah, villain. Yeah, you need a good villain. I guess Mike Jim Hart is easy villain. to hate too. Mike, yeah, Mike Hart. But there would be something there. I guess, yeah. But he was 0-4 as a player, so then who cares? You know, like, yeah. unless he starts opening his mouth. Here's the thing. I don't know if you saw the Jimbo Fisher NIL rant yesterday, mm-hmm. but, like, I loved it. And, I like, if I were a coach, I would act like that all the time. So, like... It felt like he was kind of spitting into the wind a little bit, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, like, I like when coaches, like, just fly off the cuff like that and, like... Don't don't speak in sound bites. I thought that was yeah. Cool. West Virginia man moves to Texas, wears gold Rolex and cowboy boots to an official visit weekend. <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah. Um, the, the the glare from his fifty thousand dollar watch is blinding you as he's telling you about 50. Oh, this isn't a, this isn't, you this isn't about it. money. Yeah, I don't want to Google it because I don't, don't want to know that there's watches out there that cost more than my house. <laughs> there are. I got news for you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there's, there's there are watches out there that cost more than houses in Bexley too, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah, I'll never own one. I got a nice Apple Watch though. It tells me when I need to get my fat ass up and start moving. So I like it. There was like it's so funny. I saw a meme the other day that said, you know, 20 years ago working out like it was a good thing, and now our culture is like at a point where our watch congratulates us for standing. Good job, you did it. You stood you up, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> you stood for a minute. You met your goal. I was like, what? This is easy. All right, I'm gonna be dead in ten years, but at least it I makes stood. you feel like you achieved something. Yeah, right. doesn't it? It's just like, oh yeah, I, I got my stand goal today. Like what? So even if you stood for one minute twelve times, like you could have the laziest, biggest piece of shit day on the face of the earth and still hit your stand goal. I like. like the- why is that even a thing? I like the days where I'm in the car all day driving from here to Philadelphia and I'm just literally sitting in the car for seven hours and my movement ring just keeps filling up and it's like, you achieved your goal. And it's like, I've literally been sitting for eight hours. I didn't do anything. Do you actually can achieve your goal from driving? I don't know if it's just like my hand on the steering wheel, like moving a little bit from time to time, but like I'll get out of the car in Philadelphia and it's like, you achieved your goal. And it's like, I, that's impossible. I didn't do anything. But I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take the, take the well, clothes. You have to readjust ring. your goal. How many calories is it? It's like 750 or something. And that's like 750 calories that you burned moving your body? Yeah, I've bur- I burn like 3,000 calories just existing because of how big I am. But the problem is I eat more than that every day, so I don't maintain a caloric yeah. deficit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Raising what you got to do is decrease your input and increase your metabolic output. That's right. <laughs> You'll all be doing this by Labor Day. <laughs> all right. Let's end the show after an hour and 15 minutes, shall we? Uh, thank you for listening to 4 to 6 with A&B. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys being patient with us as we took a little time off there. Um, 
it'll get slower here, I think, for Ohio State. Spring, spring ball is probably five or six weeks away. Um, but we'll have more shows before then. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash forward dash six. Give us a five-star review on Apple. If you'd be so kind, we'd appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next time.